The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. At 334, it is Monday at 3.30 and time for... The, the Hoot! It is uh, Todd Hurst joining us, the senior economist from ATB Financial. Hey, Todd. Hey, guys. Where are you today? I'm in Calgary today trying to beat the heat here. <laughs> Feels like tornado weather or something. I don't know. Oh, don't, don't be that. throwing that out there don't on 630. Well, <laughs> we're, not, we're not complaining about the warmth, though, for sure. No, for sure we're not. I know you wanted to talk about employment numbers. Uh, when we get uh, through that, can we talk a little bit about oil prices, too? Oh, you bet. We can talk about anything you want. Excellent. Well, let's start with what you wanted to talk about, because, and I'll set it up for you so that it's my words and not yours. But oftentimes when criticizing um, the government here in Alberta and the industry and, and the effect it's had on the industry, that the impression has been left that lots of people are vacating oil field related jobs in Alberta to go to the greener pastures of Saskatchewan. But statistics don't lie. So what do the statistics say? Yeah, well, it is interesting. We had new interprovincial migration numbers. These are quarterly numbers that come out from Stats Canada. And uh, they came out about two weeks ago. But it was interesting. Alberta, we are still losing a net so a net outflow of people interprovincially, mostly to BC, some to Ontario. But when you just look at Alberta and Saskatchewan, the flow of people back and forth over that border, Alberta has consistently, all through the recession, consistently, we are still attracting more people from Saskatchewan than losing to Saskatchewan. And I think that might come as a surprise to some people who, you know, there is a perception. And, you know, I I certainly don't want to be political, but there is a perception that Saskatchewan is doing so well and, you know, they have a different government and blah, blah, blah. Well, the statistics do not bear that out. The statistics are saying that, no, actually, more people from Saskatchewan... Even with 9% unemployment in Alberta, they're still choosing to move here. Uh, Curious, just to put a microscope on that statistic for a second, as you know I like to do, that assumes, when I I think of employment numbers and people migrating, uh, the assumption also is that they quit their job, lost their job, or they sought employment and they were only able to find it in the other province, and that's what caused them to move. Would those numbers also include companies that had decided to have less activity in the province of Saskatchewan, for example, and increase their activity in Alberta and brought the staff in themselves? Well, that could be, and there is some speculation that, you know, that is happening. One of the frustrations with these interprovincial migration numbers is it gives us no information about who is moving or why they're moving. It just says, here are the numbers, here's the estimates that we have of the flow of people back and forth. And my guess is, I mean, you're always going to have people, the primary reason people will pack up and leave is because of work. But it isn't the only reason. I mean, they they will move for quality of life. They'll move, uh, especially young people, if there's a perception that the the city they're moving to is, is more exciting or there's more things going on. And I think that is what's drawing people to Alberta right now. It, you know, it certainly isn't because of all the, the jobs, but they might be unemployed in, in, you know, somewhere in Saskatchewan. And I don't want to sound too hard on Saskatchewan. I've got lots of relatives there and roots in Saskatchewan. But 
a city like Edmonton right now, you know, with everything going on around uh, the new Rogers Place Arena and new developments downtown around McEwen University, you know, it really has this uh, this kind of groove going on right now. And for anybody who would suggest, well, it doesn't matter what a city looks like or what kind of amenities we have, it's a waste of tax dollars, I would challenge that because Edmonton right now, and Calgary too, these are two cities that are offering a really attractive quality of life because there is stuff going on and that is important when you're drawing people well that's interesting because i guess i drew a conclusion that i shouldn't have off the top of this conversation that we were talking specifically of oil field related jobs Mm. you're talking about employment in general employment in general and this is all parts of the province so this is alberta people who have left alberta for whatever reason and people who have left saskatchewan for whatever reason and moved to the other province and alberta is still you know, we're still gaining a net uh, advantage in that flow. Hmm. So a lot of them would, you know, might be oil workers, but a lot of them might be just a young person who's graduated from high school or university in Saskatchewan. And, well, even though jobs are tough in in Edmonton, my buddy lives there and he's having a great time. And, (laughs) you know, there's this orange crush thing and I'm just going to move here. Uh, It would include all of those kinds of uh, people moving for different reasons. All right. Interesting. So we did want to talk about, about oil, oil prices. I was reading an oil. article, I think it was today or, or yesterday, talking about how, you know, the oil was up around $50 a barrel. It was kind of, you know, hovering around there for quite some time, mm-hmm. down to about, what, 40 42 right now. But the article said that the industry and businesses in the province and all that are doing a better job now handling it now handling than they did you know when the, the the oil prices dropped so dramatically before it's like they're getting used to where it is making better plans at at this dollar rate at 40 to 50 than they were ever before yeah and i would say that's true i mean when those oil prices three years ago were at 107 dollars a <laughs> barrel and then really quite Suddenly, they, you know, collapsed down to 60 and they stabilized there for a bit. And then it was sort of like the wily Coyote falling off the second cliff, you know. And then they went all the way down to 27. Mm-hmm. In a very, very short, relatively short period of time, it's about 18 months, that was a, a very, very dramatic uh, period where the energy sector in this province had to get their costs at a, under control very rapidly. So now in 2017, we've seen oil prices, they were stable at around 50, 55, and now they've dropped down to, you know, 42, 45, somewhere in there. It still is a drop, but I think you're right. I think the energy companies have been much better at keeping their costs under control. They haven't, uh, you know, allowed um, cost escalation. Well, they haven't been able to allow cost escalation. And that's why, you know, I'm still expecting a, a return to some growth in the province this year. But with oil at 42, that growth or that recovery might be even a little more modest or meager than, than what we were expecting mm. a few months ago. So what are the factors that are at play here? Because there's been multiple, multiple different explanations for what's causing oil prices to be where they are. What's the biggest factor causing them to be in the 40s? Well, the biggest factor, and a lot of listeners out there might recall from if they ever took economics in school or university, this is classic supply and demand, and particularly supply. So there is a lot of oil supply coming out of the U.S. shale deposits. That is the biggest factor. OPEC and Russia and Saudi Arabia and all these crazy meetings, you know, these leaders are having all the time, 
Three years ago, that's what drove oil prices down to 27. But now the environment we're in, I don't want to suggest OPEC is is irrelevant because it's not. But the bigger problem, if you view $42 as a problem, the bigger problem is the supply coming out of the U.S. shale deposits. There's just too much oil Hmm. now coming out of brand new reservoirs of oil that are opening up in in Texas and elsewhere. Hmm. You made me shudder when you said $27. Well, that's where it was at the beginning of 2016. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And I don't think we're going back there, but, you know, we can never see never. No, for sure. All right, Todd. Thank you so much. We'll check in with you next week. We will. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Thank you, you, Todd Hirsch, Senior Economist at ATB Financial. Lots of prizes to give away yet on this show. Oh, yeah, you, you had a whole uh, gaggle of them just a moment ago. I wasn't really, uh, I didn't want to say I, was pay- I wasn't paying attention. I was. I was just so shocked and surprised by how many you had. We're going to have to start doing them. Yes, we... we- <laughs> because we're going to end up with like, you know, 150 things no to No time. Yeah. Did you see um, this, uh, this flight? If, if you ever had a bad flight, what, what is your worst flight ever? There was this video that was put out oh, yeah. on the weekend. It was that Air Asia plane. This is kind something. of like a discount flyer type plane, and it was on its way from what was it, Australia to Kuala Lumpur. And um, oh my goodness, it sounded. And they said it sounded like a washing machine, it, and that's exactly yeah what it sounded like. And then it got worse because about 90 minutes, and I guess the engine, the one engine uh, blade sheared off in the yeah, engine or something like that. Right. And it's like, so everything's out of balance. I want you to picture um, an off-balance washing machine. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got a blanket in there and it's all to one side <laughs> and it's that loud thumping noise where you think everything's going to fall apart any moment. Uh, but instead of it being your washing machine, it's your flight over the oh. ocean <laughs> shaking. Oh. And then the pilot tells you, you should probably pray. That was the sound of the plane. And this went on for quite some oh, time. Yeah. yeah, for a couple of hours. Everyone's videotaping it. People are worried, obviously. And then the pilot gets on the old... Uh, oh, please, uh Hopefully everything will turn out for the best. And then survival depends on your cooperation. Yeah, hopefully everything will turn out for the best. And I apparently twice went on uh, the uh, the uh, the mic to say, you know, you might want to pray. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Things you don't want to hear on your flight. So it was about 90 minutes into the flight. A loud bang, boom. Mm. And then all of this started. And if I'm not mistaken, did that airline not lose a plane? Yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, two, three years ago. It crashed and took all passengers aboard to their death. Because of a faulty rudder control system. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so they they had to turn it back around. 90 minutes in, 90 minutes out, no. Apparently, and as you can well imagine, lots of videos on the internet uh, showing what was going on. A lot of people panicking. Everyone in a crash position when it uh, returned to the airport. But a number of people, and we talked earlier about the woman who uh, her child got bitten by a snake or whatever. She laughed on the video. How people handle situations Uh is weird sometimes. There's a lot of uh, gallows-type humor on the plane. People are laughing about it. Some, not all, of course. 
but that's pure nervousness. That's pure panic. There was one guy. There's video of one guy reclined so far back in his uh, in his chair. He looks like he's as chill as possible, but his eyes are the size of dinner plates. So helpless, right? There's nothing you, you can do? do to change the outcome. It's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. The bar should be I open. Don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> Just let it happen. Well, I don't want to hear the pilot. I mean, uh, you know... I'm sure there have been instances, and many of us have probably been on planes that have faced some sort of crisis, and maybe we're not even aware of it. Maybe the pilot's aware of it. There's a warning uh-huh. light. Um, he possibly got, uh, oh, how did I forget to tell you that? <laughs> we had a bit of a crisis going to Vancouver. Guy had a heart attack. Oh, no. How did I forget that? Two rows up. He Well, they thought he had a heart attack. I don't think he did have a heart attack. He He just suddenly... The passenger, he was in the window seat, like I say, two, three rows up. The passenger next to him suddenly stood up and looked at him and started trying to talk to him. And then he just kind of slumped forward and hit his head and fell. Um, And everybody jumped out of the row. And the weird, you know the weird part about this? The first person to come flying down the aisle, because this guy in the middle seat yelled out, is there a doctor on board? It was like a movie unfolding. The first guy to come running down the aisle was this guy in one of these shirtless T-shirts with earbuds in and tats all over him um, who came flying up the aisle. But he he literally came up to see the guy. Like, he wasn't a doctor. He, wasn't, he just wanted to see what was he happening. He just wanted to see what was going on. He probably wanted to videotape it to Instagram. He had a phone oh, in his yeah. hand. That's exactly. Flight attendant literally, physically pushed him out of the way. And, and it turns out the guy... It was in some sort of distress, but it was not a heart attack. He had fainted, and they revived him, and um, he said, I didn't, I, w- I fell asleep, is what he said. And But a first responder was on the plane, mm. a uh, firefighter from Fort McMurray, and he then took the middle seat and talked to the guy, worked with the guy, and we could hear him two rows up. And no, it was more than him just falling asleep, but we landed immediately, and I've never had that approach going into Vancouver. You usually go past, out into the water, circle back around again. But we came directly in over the mountains and down, and there was no waiting time whatsoever. Boom. Yeah, so sorry. First, I got, one, off, first one off the plane? Uh, him. Yeah. yeah, they got him off the plane right away. But um, that's as an aside from this. I was going to say that you've probably been in a situation where the pilot has indicated that or the pilot knows there's something wrong with the aircraft, but possibly hasn't indicated that to the passengers. He's told air traffic control he's got uh-huh. an issue or a situation or whatever, and possibly, like my story, it's with a passenger and not everybody on the plane knows what's going on. But in the case where the pilot comes on and says, "We, your safety depends on your cooperation, your cooperation and we suggest you pray, that can't be in the manual. There can't be, there's no page in the manual where if all else fails, ask the crew and, and passengers to pray. That... Wow. That would be the longest two hours of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And there was some footage, well, the footage, there's lots of footage, as you mentioned, but there's one woman getting up out of her chair. I don't know if she was going to the bathroom or what, but she was getting up. Maybe she was because she would maybe throw up or something like that, Mm -hmm. but getting out of her chair. But I guess at that point, what does it really matter? Sure. That's when, if it were a domestic flight here in uh, Canada, somebody would point out that that's business class. We'll have to ask you to (laughs) go panic at the back of the plane. (laughs) You're going to have to wet your chair. (laughs) Uh, Haas says, worst flight ever. I, spe- I suspect it's the one where they put pulled us, uh, put us on the runway while another one mm-hmm. was on final approach. <laughs> yeah. The worst part was the captain asking everyone to pray. I'd be like, shut up. I know. Mm. 
I've been on a flight that's lost power in an engine before, and they've sat down in Winnipeg. And 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 I, I admire, you know, not all precautions are the same worldwide. In Canada, they seem to be quite extensive. But as you land, um, if your flight is, you know, earmarked as in distress, all the first responders are, are lined up, yeah. right? And as you, you almost fly over them, and as, well, you do fly over them, and as you do, they all start racing down the runway to catch up to you, right? They can't obviously be on the runway. Um, it's interesting to watch, and you sort of assume at that point everything's going to be okay. We're going to get down, and these guys are just a precaution. But in a case like this, I mean, when you hear your washing machine do that, don't you think, oh, it's going to break? Like yes. it's going to fall apart? Absolutely. If you're in an airplane and it's yeah. doing that, I mean, there's got to be rivets that are coming, popping out over two hours of that kind of shaking. My goodness. Anyway, um, amazingly, they all landed uh, safe and sound. Would you get back on one of their planes? I might not get back on one of their planes. There comes a point at which lowest price is not necessarily the best deal. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd like to know that well, the most qualified guys. And I think about it because in Europe, especially, there's all sorts of low, low, low price. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's, you know, it's basic. And my cousins fly it all the time. They'll hop over to Ireland. Yep. They'll go down to Spain. They'll go down to Greece, whatever it is. It's like, oh, I don't know. Okay, 50 bucks. But I know. Uh, it makes me a little nervous. It's a funny thing when you're Canadian, uh, specifically or American. Well, you don't have a lot of choice. Well, no, but you, you always assume that every country has the same rules, regulations, precautions, and procedures in place as does your country. So you think, well, you know what, there's no way there can be anything wrong with the plane because it's so scrutinized. Just like when you get on one of those kites down in Mexico and they pull you behind a boat and you think, well, there's probably a gazillion regulations. I'll bet you there's no regulations. I'll bet you the, there's no one in law enforcement or government that knows that guy even has that business, whatever it's called, hang gliding, windsurfing, whatever it is. And you hear all the time about stories of people who just go slamming into the side of buildings. Do you remember that boat with the wings that was flying around the Dominican? Yeah, what was that? It was was a boat. It was like an aluminum boat that had wings and a motor on it that was flying around. That was just some guy who, you know, decided he was going to be a step above the competition. Almost everybody's got a boat, but my boat's got wings. But you know, and I'm going to put some tourists on there, right? Like as an engineer or a, you know, a, an aircraft design. Anybody taking a look at this to see that it's feasible? Because you know, the Wright brothers made some just, mistakes out of the gate too. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I just I, I kept thinking to myself, who's who's getting on that? Who who's who, <laughs> how many yeah. diplomaticos have you had to get on that? Yeah. Hey, honey, this looks like a good idea. It's a boat and a plane. It's a boat plane. That's Come on. You know what? That's vacation thinking right there. Nothing will happen. Yeah. You're on vacation willing to take a couple of chances. When you think about zip lining, uh, bungee jumping, like all those things that you sign up yeah. for on vacation. And again, you assume they have inspectors like we have in Canada or regulations or rules for how safe they need to be or what different precautions have been taken in the event of a catastrophic failure of the main device or whatever. Are any of those, you know, does this airline have the scrutiny that Air Canada has? Probably not. Probably not. That's what would be going through my mind as that plane shook. For the same reason, that's the reason I always like trying to fly domestic, even, I mean, not necessarily domestic, but a Canadian airline, even in the United States. I feel like they at least hire a mechanic. Oh, my goodness. Um, some of your texts coming in. Uh, uh, yeah. 
I also heard regarding the AirAsia flight after landing, the airline offered the passengers a $20 voucher. (laughs) (laughs) But that's to buy new underwear. Yeah, exactly. That parasailing thing. Parasailing, yeah, that's what it's called. Have you you've done that? I have. Yeah. And yeah. they tell you, "Oh, you need to come back. We're going to pull you down." Yeah. It's like, "No." Uh. The, the funniest thing about parasailing is I've done it a couple of times, and I've put my kids in it too. So I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here, but it's it's it is vacation thinking, right? When they were older, not as young children. Um, they never they always tell you to look for them on the beach that they'll make some indication mm-hmm. and then that's when you steer your but once you get up in the air everybody looks the same on the beach it's just a whole bunch of people in bathing suits right <laughs> and the last time i went up i asked the guy you know how everyone barters in mexico or wherever i've watched it a couple of times andrew <laughs> yeah exactly so he wanted 20 bucks for me to go on up right and i was like uh how about i give you how about i give you a 10 but he was always already strapping me in like they're they're quick to get the customers I was like, how about I give you a 10? He was like, yeah, 10's fine. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, 10 to go up. Would you like to come back down? <laughs> I went, 20 it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, the time do? limits on those ones I always find uh, amusing. And I, I noticed even with the C-Doos, mm-hmm. they start whistling at you and waving you from the shore. And it's like, ah, I didn't see that. Do you know, I always make a point, and it's uh, fruitless. I always make a point of pointing out what time it is. So we're doing 30 minutes then for $50, right? So right now it's this time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they still, you're right. The last time, where were we on the Mexican trip? So it was my family trip. They actually have a guy out there on a sea do And I don't know how they're communicating with him, but he, they don't wave from the shore. He zips up alongside and you. He says, come on, let's go. And, uh, let's go. And if you try and avoid him, he'll zip up and put you on the back of his sea-do and take you back. And How does then he get you on his sea-do? He takes you off there, like, just get on back, and he takes you right back, and then he pulls a guy out, or he takes a guy oh, out jeepers. to bring your sea-do back. They're, they're not... I guess every tourist thinks they're going to get away with this. Well, I'll five more minutes. Here and, yeah. <laughs> the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.